and really let's just leave it at that. Yes, we might start here with Sarah, my wife. I know how many kids you have, but go ahead and tell everybody else. <laughs> Actually, the mic's down that end. We should have started at that end. Uh, Phil, Phil and I have three children. Um, Asher, who's 22. Yes, 22. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, and Aspen is 11, and Connor is 9. Good morning, um, Brother Gus and I, I have um, five children. Our oldest is um, 27, she's married. Um, the second girl is um, 19, the third is um, 18, sorry, 17. And um, we have our twins who are seven years old. And that's like having four children, isn't it? I'm the father. <laughs> Me and my wife, uh, we have uh, four children. The elder one is Caleb, he's um, roughly 16. And uh, roughly, roughly. Okay, Libby is about nine years old. And uh, Frankens is about five years old. And Omri is about one year old. Thank you. Um, I have five children. The oldest is uh, 25, and the youngest is 12, just turned 12. Yeah. So, um, praise God for children. We have, uh, we've had four children, four sons. Uh, oldest is 43, and uh, the youngest is 38. We have 10 grandchildren. Uh, we have two children, the oldest is 22, and the youngest is 20. And I'm the father. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right, well, thank you, and uh, again, thank you for being here as a panel. I know for some of you this is new, and we're, we're glad to have some new faces up here. I might start off by referencing back to what Papa John talked about last week. And he asked the question within the sermon, and he answered it himself, but I'd like the panel to talk about this a little bit more. What's the difference of what we see in Proverbs 22, where it says, train up a child, and what is the difference between what we see in Proverbs 23, where it says, correct a child? What's the difference between training and correction? I guess I get it since I'm holding the mic, huh? I think one's on the front end and the other one's on the back end. And I mean, what I mean by that is the training comes from the front yeah. before things happen. Correction comes from the back after they've done wrong. Yeah. And so I want to train the child in the way that he should go, and it's going to take time. Sometimes it's intentional as in I'm going to sit you down and tell you how this is done. Um, sometimes it's in the flow of day, as Dad used from De Deuteronomy last week. It's in your rising up and you're sitting down. And then the correction is the, and this to use this Proverbs 22:15 words, the rod of correction is used when the child has gone astray and needs to be reminded that there is a better way. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess I'll give an example of training. So when our girls were, uh, when our girls were coming up to two years old, prior to two years old, we left them in the nursery, let them be in the nursery in church. Uh, someone else would take care of them. Once they hit two years old, we decided that that was the point for them that they would start sitting in the church service with us. And um, when Ariel was two years old, it was that was a major battle. Uh, Ariel was, still is, a very strong-willed child. Um, she has a very strong sense of what she wants to do, and she would stay on that. And so she would come in. She loved the song service. She loved the offering. But when it came time for the preaching of the word and she had to sit there, she was not excited about it at all. And so I had many sermons. I, I try to take notes in the, in the service, and I had many sermons during that time frame, that time of my life where 
I started the sermon with notes and that note page never finished um, because I would end up taking Ariel out. Um, at first, it was we would go out and I would talk to her with correction. The, it did not take long, though, before we, I would talk to her with correction of the rod. And so she knew if we were leaving the church, she knew that we were headed to the bathroom, the toilet restroom, she's gonna, and she's going to get a spanking there, and she knew it. Um, and we would get up from the service. I would get up with, from the service. She's been squirming, squirming. I would get up, and she would walk out. And there was one service, the people that went to church with us at the time, they still laugh about it to this day. I stood up, and she turned around and looked at the preacher, and she screamed, Help me, preacher! <laughs> she knew she was getting ready to get a spanking. Uh, now, that was... At that point, we were only applying correction. And then we decided, let's do the training. And so we started doing at home, we started doing church practice. And we just started it off with two minutes, and then it went to five minutes, and then it went to ten minutes. And we would sit there with her on the couch. We're having church practice. And we're going to sit here, and we're going to read from a Bible, and we're going to sit here, and this is how we're going to act. Um, and we saw a lot of response from that. And so, yeah, I think it's both. It's important to have both. If they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, the correction is not really going to be helpful. Uh, it will be an act, uh, exercise in futility. Um, but to have both of them together, the training on the front side and correction on the back side. just thinking about what you were saying, and I think there's, um, you kind of alluded to it, sometimes it's a little bit of a gray area, and we see it as a wrong, but the child maybe doesn't necessarily understand that it's a wrong, or not to be done in that situation, or whatever, so the training sometimes does follow the bad action, um, but I would say that, you know, you, you do the training, but once the child understands the training, which really after one good talk they should understand it, then any, be, any further offenses of the same kind is an act of defiance and requires correction. Mm. So going straight to correction when a, when a young child just is being a child and doesn't really understand that they've offended something <laughs> um, can just be a bit too heavy-handed. So there's that room for a talk, but then don't keep talking. You know, once they understand, then you move on. And, uh, and you expect that they understood the first time when you told them, and that now they're being defiant and deliberately disobeying. So is correction a form of training? Yeah. yeah, but it shouldn't be our go-to. It shouldn't be our immediate, unless we've done the training, correction, or the, the rod per se, shouldn't be our first go-to. There should be that training first, yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll leap off that unless somebody else wants to say something to this. Um, <clears throat> I learned how to swim because my grandfather made me swim. Um, we, when we did wrong, he would reach for his spear and literally throw it at us for doing wrong. And so our house is in the sea, and when we are with granddad, uh, we don't do wrong. And so we all learned how to swim underwater, stay in the water for as long as we can, and go up on the other side and be safe. My cousin um, received the karaoke, we call it, in his back. He's got a scar. And we grew up from that, that kind of um, background of how our parents wanted us to be straight, walk straight, do things right. And yes was yes, no was no. It was, it was all, we call it Adolf Hitler. And um, when I got my children, I applied part of what I learned from my granddad and my dad in how to rear them up. And training came, came in. 
Um, I was accused of training little military boys that was from my friends and family. Because everything I said, said was done. It was yes, no, son, no, yep, you know. They would do it, Shadrach and Meshach would do it. Um, training and after training comes the correction. Um, you've heard the training, but you keep doing the wrong thing. Let me correct you. And words go first, then the rod go, um, and it's applied. The correction that most we see in our society is wrong correction. That is when, look and walk him, boom, head pyre up. You know? Look and walk him, fist goes. And that's what we see in every day in our society. And it's wrong. It's wrong. It is not what the Bible teaches us to do. Um, let us with love raise our children. Not raising military kids, you know, but raise them up with love and with grace. And then when they do wrong, we, we correct them. Um, there is a word, it's called bent. A bent is when something is leaning this way, okay? When a child comes to a particular age, a certain age when he or she is no longer a little child, that you can spank them on their bottom. You must first train them when they were little. So when they're growing up to this point, their bent is towards doing the right thing, yes, but the sinful nature in them reveals that sinful side where they will do wrong. You correct them with your mouth, you pray for them, but you watch for that bent. Is their bent towards righteousness? And if their bent is towards righteousness, by God's grace, you've done the best you could in the Lord. And you pray for them, you, you, you bring them closer to your heart, bring them closer, extend more grace and love to them. You haven't lost the battle, you just gained a child. I'd really like to get into some of the practical aspects of how to discipline, but that's what I want to get there in, in just a, a couple minutes. But as we're leading to that, maybe I could ask you this question. We know that we are born with a sin nature. That's how we're born. We're born with a sin nature. That means that my child, your child, from the very youngest age, from the moment that they are born, they are sinners. And at that point, as, as Eric's talking, their bent is to sin. How do we, what do we start training our toddlers, our little people? What, what are some of the most important things that we can teach them from the youngest age, from that point where they can start to understand what we're teaching them? I think the first things you teach them are things that are for their good. So not to touch the fire, not to put their finger in the electric outlet. Um, so you start with things that are, gonna are a benefit to them. They're going to get hurt if they do this. There's a big consequence for that. And then teaching them that your no is a no. That if mom or dad says no to something, that they don't do it. Then there's no questioning. Now when they're going to get older, they're, gonna, they're going to question and to be able to have a biblical reason for why they are not allowed to do something or why they are allowed to do other things. But I think that those first ones, um, we lived in a village and there was a fire. That's what we cooked on. So we had to teach Ariel and Hannah, you don't touch that. And obviously we all know that there's a good reason for that. A kid doesn't. That's a bright, flint, bright light and it looks so pretty and they just want to touch that. So you're starting off with things that are a benefit to them. Something else that I have noticed in the culture, I don't see it so much here in the city, but I think it's because more we live in homes and that, that we're able to shelter this, and I saw it a lot in the village. Um, the little ones, you'd see this, I see it a lot of times in the market. Mom's sitting there with the little one, little one's in, in mom's lap, and the little one is just hitting mom in the face. Mm. And mom's just taking it. 
maybe making a laugh out of it. This is a joke. This is a moment. And I, was think, I would think to myself, give that kid 15 years and he's going to belt up mom and dad. It has to be stopped at that toddler age. Yeah. At the toddler age, no, you don't hit mommy. Yeah. That's not allowed. Mommy is your authority. You will listen to mommy, and when mommy tells you to do something, you'll do it, and you will not hit me. That, that was something that really would Absolutely. I, I was That was really d- deep for me. When I, and when it we comes back to, to biblical honor thy mother and thy father. And that doesn't start when I'm, I'm a teenager and now I'm yes. honoring. That starts from zero. Yeah. Honor thy mother and thy father. And, and you do it by, by teaching them to obey, by teaching them those simple principles yeah. of life. Yeah. I think of David um, when Absalom ran against him. They've got civil war going on. Yeah. And David's words, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son Absalom, give me thine heart. Sorry, David, you're too late. Yeah. You didn't get his heart when he was young. You're definitely not going to get his heart when he's 30. Yeah. It, it's too late. Yeah. Um, and, and so grabbing, and there's a child, when you stop that child at 18 months from smacking you, you're not crushing the child's worldview. Mm. You're helping the child establish his worldview. And you're helping him to learn how to love you properly. And so you establish those boundaries and you gain the child's heart at the same time. Anyone else? Thanks, Josh. Uh, I have twins, two boys, and uh, this is not one, this is two. Sorry, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they are a bit of a headache, but I try to manage them. They're still here. They're listening. Yeah. My instructions to them is eyes only, your eyes only. Whatever you see, don't touch it for your eyes only. Do not touch it. It does not belong to you. All right? You might break it. We might get into trouble. The worst part is when we go to the shops. Oh, no, no, no. Daddy say no. Come back. If you break it, daddy's going to pay big money for that. So I teach them that. And uh, like Miss Becky said, razor, fire, electricity, I don't allow them to go and put the switch on. I tell the big girls to do it. I try to show them what is good and what is right. But bringing up a child is uh, very, very challenging. At 58 now, I... Firstly, let me thank uh, Sister Dorothy for taking care of these two boys in the class. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, it's tough. You will grow up and you will know it. My big girl is now 27 years old. But I thank God for her. She's in a a Bible-believing church with the husband, and they serve the Lord, and I'm so thankful. Just uh, battling with these four. I will try to manage them through God's help. Uh, what I was trying to say was this who does the counseling or who does the training in the house because for us Papua New Guineans Mm. we have about 10 families in the house Mm. and when I say this to my child uncle say don't do that do this and auntie say don't do that Bubu say yes don't this is where the battle is on now Mm. All Papua New Guineans will agree with me, yeah? We are all staying in, ten, 10 families staying in one house. And this is the battle that we get. Without my concern, they spanked the child there. He runs away and says, Uncle belted me up. Why did Uncle do that? Uncle has no right. Uncle, you come and report to me. Then we sort the problem out. Because when you do that, we have a problem in the house now. So you see where I'm going now? It's going up so... Uh, it should be in line. If a child does wrong, report it to the parents. Yeah. And uh, for the house, just in case the daddy leaves, daddy must tell all the children that mommy's in charge. And they will know that mommy's in charge. Mommy goes somewhere, daddy's in charge. So that's w- that way we could bring the child up in a way that, uh, in a godly manner. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Inside law PNG, 
awesome. You, me, all mama, plenty time, all go work money. Na you, me, Lucim, beginning one time, babysitter. Na babysitter and by stablouse. Na school, you, papa, na mama, you, by giving me Naravla school. Na behind, you come home in the afternoon by you looking beginning and by change because babysitter and giving wrong motor, wrong schooling. So, am it more better? You may can school him, babysitter, blue you me. Or say, am it more better, you school him, beginning, Lord, is way. So, the babysitter, one am kiss him, talk, talk, blue you, school, talk, talk, blue you, na give him school, law beginning, blue you. So, behind him, by beginning, by no, na blow, give him headache, blue you me. Or give him head pain, blue you me. Um, also, one platin thing, me just draw my soul. Yeah. My pigeon is not so good, but I think what I heard you say is uh, the babysitter correcting the child in your absence physically? Yeah, okay. Uh, we had probably the opposite problem um, with our babysitters in that they would allow the children to hit them and things, when they would get frustrated, they would just laugh and let them hit them. So that was a different situation, and I was often in the house at the same time, and I made it very clear to any of our babysitters, the child is not allowed to do that. You are an authority over the child. I don't want them to physically correct my child, but I also don't want them to just laugh and let the child smack them on the side of the face when the child's having a fit. Mm. So they were told, like, you don't allow that. You correct them with your voice. You, you speak sternly to them. You tell them no. You know, don't, don't allow this kind of behavior because you know, there needs to be structure for the children and they need to respect the babysitter and then they need to respect the parents and anybody who's put an authority over them. I think we could go down this, this track a long way, um, especially within our context here in PNG, where we do live in large group settings. And often within those large group settings, there's layers of correction and teaching and discipline that are applied in there. Uh, I think if we come back to the biblical model, a godly model, the mother and the father are still responsible for those children. And as the mother and the father, you need to establish the rules within the context of that family setting. Hey, we apply the discipline, yeah? Or however it is that, that you choose to do within the context of that setting. But, but just like we train our children, we need to train within the context of that family, don't we? Everybody needs to understand how it works for me and, and for my family, whether that's babysitters or whether that's family members. I might go on to the next question here. How can I show my children that I love them despite the fact that I have to discipline them? How do I show them that I love them despite the fact that I have to discipline? Just some simple things. First off, you don't want to discipline in anger because then you don't have an opportunity to love them. Hmm. Um, what we tried to do and weren't always successful because we we're sinners. What we tried to do was, um, when they did something wrong, bring them, go to the bath, to the to the loo, or go someplace private, and speak to them. What did you do wrong? Gives them an opportunity to explain why they think they're in such big trouble now, and um, after they understand why they're being disciplined then we would explain to them, we love you very much, and we want you to be raised God's way, and um, let's pray and let's thank God for, for a family that loves God and that wants to serve him. And, um, and we would pray with them. They would apologize to us. They'd apologize to God for the sin, and then um, that's, that's what we did, and I think that was what the Bible I think that's what the Bible says to do. 
Phil, do you mind, can you read the question again? Because I want to rephrase the question. Okay. So the question is, how can I show my children that I really love them even though I have to discipline them? So the correct rephrase of the question would be, how can I love my child without correcting them? The book of Hebrews says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth Mm -hmm. and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. It's unloving to not correct. If I don't correct my child, I leave my child to become a monster. I must correct. Yes. That's the loving thing to do. It might take them 15 years to figure that out. Mm. Uh, They might not enjoy the journey, uh, but I will definitely enjoy the product. Um, For on the backside of it, a wise son makes a glad father. I guess I'm stuck with giving the bad examples today from Scripture. Samuel, the prophet, was raised by Eli, the priest. The Bible says when you read through the story of Eli, he restrained not his sons. They took the priesthood from him as he got older. He was in his 90s, and it said they were vile. That was the word. He restrained not his sons, and they became vile. And the Scripture puts the finger point on Eli that Eli, it was his fault that his sons did the wicked things as the priests of Israel. Um, it was Eli's fault. So, yeah, it, it comes back. You don't do that. Um, you're, you're sinning against God. It is wrong. Um, raising children, especially coming to um, teenagers, it was just like, I mean, when my children came to that age, especially for my big girl, um, I just want to thank God for God's word on how to train up a child. Um, back then, with God's grace, we raised her, and um, we didn't have a problem. But um, I just want to challenge parents that it's really important that we get closer to God because raising children on our own, it's very hard. It's painful. You watch them walk away. It really hurts. But it's, it falls on us as parents. We need to get closer to God. And it just flows smoothly. I thank God back then I had the, both of us had we're closer to God. We raised our child. Not perfect, but at least in God's word. And I really see that it's very important that we follow God's way. And um, it's a big challenge nowadays with, our, with the world. We are, I mean, the, how the world is right now. Like what Papa John shared on um, especially phones and uh, happenings around that draws our children away. It's really challenging. And um, I thank God for the preaching of God's word. Doing it God's way is very easy. On our own, it's very hard. As a parent and as a mother, I'm talking. Thank you. I just wanted to add that I I think there's two ways that we can uh, not correct our children. One is by not correcting them when they have done behaviors. But there's also, I think, a sneaky kind of way that sneaks into many of our homes where we avoid correction by indulging the child prior to the situation that would have caused for correction. So we know in our mind, if I present this meal, if I do this thing, if I ask of the child to do this, the child is going to fight back and I'm going to have resistance. I'm tired. I don't want the resistance. So I'm going to choose the easier path. Now, sometimes there's room for that. But if you're finding that that is a very normal pattern in your home, I would just caution you to look at that very carefully because you're raising a child that's being too indulged. And and I speak from experience because Phil and I had the experience with our first child 
where Bill was probably away for half of his years before he was 10, on and off, with deployments and training and such. And in the times that he was away, I was left with our son to raise him as best that I could, and I had to catch myself because I found that because it was only the two of us, I could easily make adjustments to our life so that I could go work my full-time job, pick him up from school, and make these little adjustments to what we ate and whatever that would just make things a lot smoother. And I wouldn't have to have the conflict. So I just, um, I just want to put that out there as something to be wary of. Yeah, just to add on that, uh, I was just thinking, uh, maybe I, if I'm wrong or right, but uh, when I try to teach my children, we have seven in the family. I'm fourth, fourth in the family, uh, fourth out of the seven. Uh, when I use examples, I use examples for my brothers and my sister's children because they are just like me. I correct. I love my niece and nephews, but like when they go into a big mess, like just getting pregnant, I'm going to be open and straightforward. When they're pregnant and they get a baby and there's no daddy, I tell my children, you want to go through this? It's entirely up to you. We are taking you to church. You choose who, wherever you want to go. But see, see your sister? She's struggling now. See your brother now? He got involved in a car accident. He went uh, with these people. He was shot dead. You want to go like that or you want to get pregnant? It's up to you, entirely up to you. So when you come back like that, it reminds me of the prodigal son. He got what, what he wanted from the dead for pleasure. He went, what did he do again? He came back to his parents again. So you want to go through that, or you want to stay in a godly, with God's uh, children and enjoy your life in a godly way? Thank you. So maybe let's get practical. Let's, let's break it down. What does discipline look like? I have a child. My child has been trained. And now it's at that point where I need to correct or I need to discipline my child. Talk me through, talk us through from the, the, the point of sin to after discipline. What am I doing at each point along the way? What does it practically look like to discipline my child? Thank you. As for me, I would like to bring my child to church practically to bring him to the church and to be with the Christians mm -hmm. and teach him the word of God and uh, uh, to make sure that he receives Christ as his as a, uh, personal savior. Yeah. yeah. So that is my goal of bringing my, uh, wanting to discipline my children. I want to do it in a godly way, not my way. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Let's, let's narrow it down. Let's bring it right down to I'm your child. I just sinned right now. What are you going to do? How, do? how do we practically, biblically, live out discipline? So, um, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Um, Scott's there. All, all my kids, they know, they know um, the measure I take to correct them when they do wrong. And um, all the training has been done. They've passed with flying colors with the training. Um, and now it's time for correction. So when they do wrong, um, in my, when, when I am doing stuff, when I'm doing my Eric Bala stuff, you know, when I'm doing my Eric Bala stuff and my son does wrong, uh, in the moment of my flesh, I quickly use my hand. And when I use my hand to do that correction, I quickly realize, oh no, I'm not supposed to do that. And I, I, I say sorry to my, my children. My, I say sorry to my son. I, I'm not saying I, I do that now. No, I used to, okay? Um, but when the flesh gets in, in, in the way, when I do my, my own stuff, that's when I do the wrong step in correcting my child. It may be right, from the, the culture's perspective that he's doing wrong and I'm trying to correct him, but it's not right biblically because I'm not doing it the right way. I am concerned about Eric Bala 
what Eric Bala is doing at, this, at that particular point and what Scott Bala does is interfering with Eric Bala's life. Mm. And so Eric Bala must therefore strike him in the head because he's inter interfering with my life. And that's the point then. And so I do that and it's wrong and I know it's wrong. I'm not supposed to do that as a father. Mm. And so what the correction that I learned is to stop what Eric Bala is doing. So I stop what Eric Bala is doing and I look at Scott Bala and I must apply better correction to the evil that he just displayed. And so when he was small, it's the role of correction on his bam bam. Let me say it again, on his bam bam. La ask again, okay? You get a stick, and on the stick you write, friend. It must be a palaka stick, not just a two by two, but a flat one, palakana. And you write friend on it, you vanish it nicely, you send it nicely, and you shoot for your son. All right, so when, when he does wrong, you tell him, Scott, son, your friend is gonna now speak to you, to your bam bam. And so you apply that to his bam. He's got two fat cheeks of bam God has placed here. That's the seat of knowledge. Once you apply the rod of correction to the seat of knowledge, it will drive evil from him. And it's biblical. So that, that rod of correction has been applied to all their bums, and they know it. And like, um, you know, like Pastor talked about, um, Ariel, help me. They've reached out to their grandmother and grandfather for help because dad was bringing friend to them. Um, but parents, don't fear. Don't fear that you will kill your child by correcting them. Fear that you're going to be using a hand. Fear that you're going to be using a two by four or a stone. But never fear when you have a palaka rod that's called friend and applied to their bam bam. Because that will help your child. So when they grow old, they will not depart from it. We, we did the same thing. Um, if we didn't have one we called friend, we had a, a DY right outside the front door of our house, and uh, we don't have them in PNG, but it was a willow. And a willow, the branches when they dry are very flexible, and it would be about that long and very small, not even as big as my small finger. You never strike your child anywhere but on the bum. Mm. Not up and down the legs, not on the heels, definitely not on the head and on the back. You put it there. The blueness, this, these are Bible verses from Proverbs. The blueness of a wound create, drives away sin. I've heard people say you just beat them and beat them until, the, no, 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 no. If they get a bruise on their bum where they can't sit down, every time they sit down, they, oh. But you don't do it and do it and do it. You, you, you're correcting. You're not taking out your anger for their wrong. You shaming me, penis, you better kiss him time. We, one thing we did, we had a measured amount of, of swats for the, for the punishment. You just lied, that was a big one. That might be seven, eight, ten. You, you cheated on something, you know, that we, we made it. And they knew that's how much you're going to get. And then parents, when you're teaching your children with the rod, oh, by crying a morietta, Spare not your soul for his crying. There used to be you get three more if you don't pass in mouse. You can cry, but this sing out, sing out, little preacher or auntie or uncle, nope, not going to work. You let him stop crying. You say, now, did you just keep singing out? Yes. I'm talking about that. You mean by die, You say, ah, I'm going to die. Picking it, quiet. Son, quiet. But if it's like, ah, because they want somebody to come rescue them, you're going to get three more. You give them three more, they make the same scream, you're going to get three more. They stop. By the time you got that second three, we got the idea. The sing-out is not helping anything. And it's, but it's not to, to give pain for pain's sake. It's, it is biblically applied only on the backside, not to blood, bleed, whatever, 
just, this is what it is. And you'll find you stop doing it soon. It doesn't go until they're 25 years old. You'll find that as they get it, they understand. And then verbal. And then, then becomes a lot more talking. Son, we're not, what you just did was wrong. Can you tell me why? And see if you don't start seeing biblical principles come out that you're teaching. Something that I found that was very important to go along with the rod was the, uh, the correction that came with it. Um, so the rod is a very important tool, but it's not the only tool. Uh, and so whenever I would do correction with our children, even now with a school, I, I don't use the rod in the school. That's for, that's for the parents to use. Um, but when I have correction moments with the children in the school now or I had with my children when they were growing up, I forced them to look me in the eyes mm. because a child does not want to talk about his sin. When he has to talk about his sin, he has to acknowledge the fact that he's a sinner and that he did something wrong. And you watch when you try and correct your child. If you've not done this before, you watch and see. They will put their head down. They'll look off to the side. They'll give you a defiant look and look off to the side of you, but they'll refuse to look you in the eyes. Every time, I will not go any further until you look me in the eyes. And when their eyes begin to move, I ask them, bring them back. I want your eyes. Because we're having a conversation that involves your soul. I need your heart right now, child. It doesn't matter if I give them five, seven swats. If I didn't get their heart and the ordeal, they're going to walk away with a bruised bum and no change in the heart. And so I start with, I want you to look me in the eyes. And now I want you to tell me what you did wrong. If they refuse to talk, that's further defiance. In this moment, they're supposed to be learning. They're not supposed to be grounding themselves in how correct they are. So there's no repentance. This is an exercise in futility. So I need repentance in this moment. They need to know what they did wrong. They need to look me in the eyes. We need to talk heart to heart here, buddy. And then when we, when we walk away, they know, I've done wrong, and dad, or here, pastor, cares for my soul. And so I think those are very important things to bring with the rod. So maybe I can summarize what we've said here, because we're, we're running short on time. So my child sins, your child sins, a child sins, and as a parent... First of all, I need to take a step back and make sure that it's not, as Eric said, it's not attacking my time. It's not me going, this interrupted me, and now I am reacting out of anger. Take a step back. And if I think about the way that my parents disciplined me, it was often I would sin, or my brothers and sister would sin, and we would sent, be sent to our room. At the time, I'm going, this is, this is free time for me to go and find books to shove down the back of my pants so that when they spank me. But what it was, was my parents taking a step back and going, all right, I need to separate myself emotionally from this, and I need to now discipline in love. And then they would come in, and, and as parents, they would sit down with us and talk to us and go, right, this is what was wrong, this is why it was wrong, and this is the consequence of that. My family was the same as yours, and my parents would tell us, all right, what you did was sin, and now you are going to have five swats, nine swats, 15 swats, whatever it was, but they gave us a clear understanding of what it was. And I think as parents, that gives us a boundary too, that as I'm spanking my child and my child isn't reacting the way that I want them to, that I'm not just now turning it into anger and it's going beyond that. If I get to the point of where I've spanked them, the number I've said, they haven't reacted and they're defiant, I need to reconsider and go, is this an effective method? What I'm doing, is it working? Maybe I need to step back and look at this again. But now that I've spanked my child, they understand that it was sin, they've, they've repented of that, what do I do next? And maybe I'll put that to you guys as, the, as our last question for this morning is, I've disciplined my child, they've responded to that discipline, what do I now do? Do I slam the door, walk out the room? Man, that kid just frustrates me. Kick the, kick the dog on the way out. And my child's sitting in the room. 
what do I now do? I think we have to take our example from God. When we sin and we ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. And we, he gives us new mercies every morning. So your child has done wrong and you've applied that rod and he has repented and asked for forgiveness of that, you're going to forgive him. And the rest of your day is not going to be, do you remember what you did earlier? Do you remember what you did earlier? Because I know for myself, I don't want God to continue to say that to me. Yeah. I don't need to continue to say that to my children. And I'm going to go a little bit off of course here, but we've talked a lot about getting our child's heart, and we can get that through discipline. But I also want to encourage you to do things that your kids like to do. A lot of times we, yeah, bring them along while you're cleaning or while you're cooking or all that. But find something that your children like to do and mm. do it with them. You know, when they're little, they're coloring. Stop what you're doing and color with them. Um, it's just showing your child that you love them and getting their heart by doing something that, you know, that's something simple. Mom took five minutes out of her day to sit and color with me. Or mom took five minutes out of her day to help teach me how to ride a bike. Um, or to sit down and do their homework with them. Um, mm -hmm. All of those things. Just finding something that they like and just you spend some of your time doing what they want to do. Um, I know for myself, it was very hard for me to do something that my mom, I knew she would be disappointed in me for um, because I, my mom and I had a very loving relationship. Um, I don't want to sin because of my love for God, but I also don't want to disobey my parents because of my love for my parents. I think it's important too to when they after they apologize to you and tell you that they're sorry that they sinned and that they did this wrong I think it's important for them to apologize to God yeah. because every sin is an affront to God yeah. and no matter how small that was and no matter whether they were chastised for it and they were sorry to you I think they just need to be sorry to God and what an opportunity to take them before the throne again with with just the two of you and, that, and that's from the earliest age. You're like, he doesn't even know what he's saying. You teach him. Because you teach him to pray. You need to teach him to pray. You need to teach him how to repent. And not, you say, it's just words. No, no, no. He'll get the idea as he gets older. And he'll be like, you know what you did wrong? Yes, Dad, I know what I did wrong. Is that wrong to God? Yes, Dad. Should we tell him? Yes, Dad. And then you hear them pray from their heart. So what was before, rote memory, becomes real. Well, I think we are pretty much out of time, so maybe I'll wrap this up, and then, Pastor Matt, if you can close us in prayer, any final points that you had. So across the morning and across last week, we talked very briefly about the importance for us as parents that our first priority must be our relationship with God. As for the father and for the mother, if I'm not in a right and consistent relationship with, with God, how can I correctly train and raise my children to be godly young men and women. I can't do it. Part of that training and that raising is that correction. In order for me to correct my child, to discipline my child in a godly manner, again, I have to be in a right relationship with God. I think as we look at our society now, and whether I look at Australia and America, and whether I look at PNG, or whether I look globally, we're dealing with a battle for the families. In Papua New Guinea, we were talking about the fact that we bring so many people into our home, and that, that discipline can get so muddy. In Australia and America, we're competing on the other side of that, where it's to the point now where a mother and father cannot discipline their children in a biblical manner, because it becomes the child has more rights than what the parents have. So how do we deal with this? Well, it, it comes back to what we said at the start. Your relationship with God is so vital. And your relationship with your children and training them to love God first, to honor their mother and their father, to grow in their walk with God, that is so vital.
And if we don't do that, we get to the point where we have frustrated children, we have children that are fighting against their parents, and we've got no tools to train them. Yeah? We have to have that right and consistent relationship with God, and we have to train our children to have that right and consistent relationship with God. We have to do it. Because one day, there's going to come a point in your life with your child where you have to make a decision and whether you have to let them go because they're so defiant against you that you can no longer discipline and train them or whether you bring them in and you spend time with them and you love them. But we have to have that right and consistent relationship with God now and we have to be training our children in it. Maybe I'll hand it over to Pastor Matt. Thanks, guys. You've done a great job in uh, observing next Sunday. Lord willing, I'll do an interview with Papa John and uh, Brother Phil in terms of finishing well. If you've got any questions this week, feel free to send those in. I'd love to give you an opportunity to speak into that conversation. Uh, Very important topic that we've covered over the last few weeks, and this is not the end of it for us. Even though we might move on to other topics next week, uh, this is not the end of it for us. So please, as you have questions, feel free, reach out to brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to do this well. Father, thank you for your goodness upon us, and thank you for the uh, instruction that you've given us in your word that can give us guidelines and guardrails, and I pray that you would help us uh, to raise up our children in the way that they should go as arrows in the hands of the man, as he molds his children and sends them offline, as Psalm 127, 6 Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them, uh, for his children will sit and face the enemies in the gates. And Lord, we look forward to the day when we have passed on the baton to them and they are faithfully serving you and we're able to, as older generations, sit back and watch them take and do it well. And for those of us, Lord, we don't want to act like there is none who will have an errant child, for there's no guarantee that everything will work out perfect for them. And so for my brothers and sisters who are working through those heartaches, I pray that you would give encouragement, grace, and strength as they watch and continue to pray and weep over their own children. And Lord, I pray that the seeds that were sown throughout their lives and the shaping of the arrow, so to speak, I pray that those things would come back to bear. When they're old, they will not depart from it. So, Lord, we thank you for your goodness upon our lives. Would you bless the church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great week.